Making Comics, a podcast exploring the comics process from two different perspectives. I'm Scott Loss, the creator and artist of The Second Shift and Wanders of Melisanda for The Accidental Aliens. And I'm Keith. I write the comic Kadoja, and I review horror, comics, and all kinds of other things on my site, KeithRFoster.com. I think it's so funny that you still don't say your last name, and I always say my last name. It's so weird. <laughs> I think I, I I don't know I'm probably the only person that notices that I don't know man I mean if if, if you're meeting me somewhere I'm not going int- to I mean I might the first time we talk I might introduce myself as Keith Foster but mm. otherwise I'm just going to say I'm Keith that's that's how I introduce myself yeah and most every, people listening to much this like are probably comics, on a second listen so what's that possibly possibly but much like yeah. comics you know like I always have the assumption that this can be someone's first podcast so yeah that's true yeah yeah you never know whatever should I All give right. my credit card numbers? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, yeah. Can I get your social? Is this is this that kind of intimacy that people want? <laughs> so what's up, man? What'd you get into this week? Yeah, I, I got into a few things. I mean, we're 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 kind of getting down to it. This this week's theme is going to be the theme for the next few weeks, which is Kadoja, all Kadoja, all the time. Um, it's not that I'm not doing other things, but Kadoja is getting enough momentum now. And, um, you know, again, by the time this is out, your Kickstarter is live right now as we speak, right? Not right mm-hmm. now, but obviously right now as this airs. And mine. The month, the will month of be February. The month of February, your Kickstarter is live. And for the first, um, I'm just, I'm probably going to make mine like 17 days just because I like 17 in March. So it'll probably be March 1st to March 17th or so. Um, We'll, we'll get clarity on that once it's live and all. So um, that we are now building to that, right? We're building to that. And why do you um, like, why do you like 17? 15 seems too short and 21 seems too long. I was trying to do, okay, I was like doing math in my head. I was like, is it because it's 666? But that would be 18. <laughs> I was like, it's a very yeah. Keith, Keith thing to do. It is funny that you say that because uh, I was thinking of what my beginning fun, my beginning goal was going to be. And to your point, it was probably going to be 666, but I'm, I'm sort of overdoing it with the 666. So it might just be like <laughs> 631 or something like that, right? Like 333. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Or six six seven, just to prove a point. But anyway, so uh, so yeah, man. A, a couple deliverables came through this week, and again, it it it's a, a kind of symptom of how the book is moving on parallel fronts, right? So the the shorter things are that um, issue two. So again, it's going to be a four um, issue trade four issue collected trade paperback. But, uh, you know, it, it originally was intended to be in issues, but without shows in 2020, it's going to be one thing. Um, although, again, as part of the Kickstarter, we will probably print to demand um, a special tier where people can get all four issues as single issues. So that's that's what we're what we're leaning toward and how it's going to work. So issue two of the four, I got the lettering back and it was wonderful to see. So uh, I got a guy named Eric Grissom. Um, He agreed to do the lettering on this and he's done a couple comics with Will Perkins, not Mike, but Will, uh, Mike's brother. And they, he did, he did a, he did a book called um, Eric wrote and Will wrote a book called Gregory Suicide. And they have a book out 
that's probably um, probably about a month away from being released. It's the orders are closing as we tape this, I think today, but it's a book called Goblin. And so they've they've worked together a lot and uh, they do really great work. And Eric also does lettering. So he's going to be doing the lettering for um, for Kadoja. Uh, we're going to see if he can get him to re-letter issue one, but he's definitely doing two through four because I would want some some sort of continuity. But I just got the letters back and they look great. And so I turned around and tidied up the issue three script and then sent that off to him. So he'll, did you do the looking... first one yourself? I did. I did. Okay. Um, and while and while I'm comfortable with the work I did, we use different types of balloons. So I expect that um, what I'm doing is I'm setting aside money right now, and I'm hopeful that he'll be okay with it, that uh, that he can go ahead and re-letter issue one. I think that would just make more sense for for purposes of continuity. And, you know, since we're on the subject, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go on a slight tangent here before I get back to the, the stuff of the week, which is I was re-listening to the podcast we did where where you made the the strong point, right, that um, that when the Kadoja omnibus comes out, it's going to kind of sum up the way that that I enjoy to do things, right, process. Mm-hmm. Um, this, is, this is eight to ten years of my life's work and look at it and look at how it changes, right? And then your thing was for you, it's, it's more of a let me change these things, let me change that those things etc cetera, etc cetera. Mm-hmm. so so the overall thing is more consistent for me yes yes yeah mm-hmm. now i want to bring up one thing which is if i had an unlimited budget i would heavily consider doing you know i mean I, i'm not saying you're going to pull a full like kagan mcleod right because we talked about kagan's book infinite kung fu where he ended up redoing all the pages for the trade i don't think you're intending to redo all of your pages for the trade but no. you might redo some you might redraw some right depending on on what you want to do first five definitely and then the rest it's just a couple of panels here and there uh, if yeah. that but definitely the lettering definitely yeah yeah, so for you, that cost is time for you to do that. For mm-hmm. me, the cost is money, which ties into a main reason why I'm probably more inclined to just let it go as is, because for me to want to redo stuff, it's like, you know, technically the first two volumes are by, you know, Rory did the first nine and a half issues, and then it was Rory and Jeremiah, and then it was, you know... um, this is what happens when you drink a beer, right? <laughs> Alberto, <laughs> Alberto and Francesca for for three issues, and then it's turning into Will and Francesca. Who do I who do I sync up to, and how many issues do I do becomes the question. As, as a result, it just makes more sense to keep it as it is and let it roll, and have it be presented more as here is the here is the slipcase containing the first four albums by the Kadoja Band, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. As as opposed to one unified thing. So I mean, I did want to bring up that. Part of it is definitely this appreciation for everything in its glory, but part of it is also financial in that it, it it's costing a lot of money to make Kadoja as is, and it's money that that's been spent. And for me, if I wanted to make Kadoja kind of in the you know unified design theory, then I would just be paying for all those pages to get done another time. Does that make sense? Do you, yeah, absolutely. Do you, okay. So when you get the lettering done uh, from someone else. Do you request the working files? Not at the moment. Not if, at the moment. If not, you should. Um, yeah. I So I've had three different letterers, uh, including myself, actually. Uh, my, my colorist, he did it for the first issue for, I think he might have done the whole issue or he might have done half the issue. I can't remember at this point. 
so long ago. Um, and then I did the next two. And then I had uh, my buddy Ian and Cabo, who, who does lettering, he took over for one or two. And then Tristan Whitehouse from the Accidental Aliens, he took over for the last two. So um, with Tristan, he developed a couple of things that I really liked. So I requested his working files, as did Ian. I, I have both of their working files as well. And um, so that way I was able to go into Tristan's files and basically take the stuff that I liked from it. So he did a couple of word bubbles or um, uh, um, like placement markers, you know, mm -hmm. um, that I enjoyed. I was like, hey, th that's pretty sick. I like that. I asked him to do it, but he's a graphic designer. He was able to generate it pretty e like uh, quickly and easily. Mm -hmm. So um, after that, I requested the files. So that way I can just copy it and paste it into my my uh, mother page. So I have a page that's just full of different word balloons, word balloons, tales, etc. And so I basically placed those in there. So when I need them later on, they're available. So um, just a thought, if you do have this current letterer, um, redo issue one through uh, four, he does all, all one through four. If you wanted to, you can actually go back to your previous editions and re-letter those with his balloons because you'll have the working balloons. Oh, that's a good point. I see what you're saying. I see what you're saying. Yeah, so that might, and that might be good omnibus stuff, right? But, right. Um, also, but yeah, anyway, so yeah, no, I, I, one, I mean, One again, other thing it, on that. One yeah, other thing sure. on that. If you do that, you can actually go back and re-letter your first issue on your own. So you can get his working balloons for issues two through three, or two through four, and then just copy them and uh, adapt them for your issue one if you oh, wanted to I save yourself you. some coin, you know, not to screw him. Yeah. But hey, you're you're the one paying for this. So if there's a, yeah. a workaround, like you said, you already did all the work. You already did the lettering and the balloons. You just like his balloons better. Well, go go to his working files and take his balloons. You paid for them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's an interesting point. That's an interesting yeah. point. Yeah, and, for all, and, you, and all you people I, out I, there, I do have a, all a dollar. Of, yeah, yeah, and and I do have all of the working files for the first two volumes of Kadoja, which is nice. I have those as PDFs with all the. I mean, uh, Adobe Photoshop with all of the the goodness in there. So yes, you do make a good point that uh, that you know when in outsourcing it not as much, but I did have it. So uh, so the other thing is that um, in in terms of Kadoja, the fourth issue, I am now starting to see thumbnails from Will, which um, I've shared a few on Instagram right now. And if you want to follow, uh, it's all one word, but Will Perkins Comics. He is posting. Um, his layouts as he goes and it's been a really fun exchange man it's 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 fun to work with will um and it's it's fun to just see these pages come to life in fact he just had a really cool idea that uh that you know when he was trying to draw something he was like well that kind of doesn't work in the way that you're saying it what if i tried this and i was like you know what that's a great idea so he went ahead and executed that and uh, i can't really say what it is because it would give away what's going to be a pretty pretty interesting reveal at the end of the arc so that's uh, awesome man. let's yeah let's just say that that it is an it is a massive fight and uh i like to think it stands out you know kadoja has a myriad of giant monster fights through the first three volumes um up up and up to and including this one and i think this one i think this final fight's really going to put him to shame man i just think this fight is so cool and to look at these these thumbnail layouts and be and cackle right but my my thing is always when i get a piece of art out do i cackle 
right? And if I cackle, then I know that like, ooh, this is going to be so good, right? Like that kind of thing. So yeah, yeah for it, sure. The, the, and and it, it, was, it, it did lead to an interesting thought, which I think is kind of an interesting writing thought too, you know? Will, Will is doing some amazing things, but I think part of it too is that as a writer, I'm putting him in a great situation uh, to win because there's so much action in this issue. You know what oh, I mean? Yeah. And and I and I think that there's interesting things going on. And again, anybody who knows anything about pacing and story, but but most dramatically in giant monster stories, there is monsters fighting and there is people talking. And you have to have the people talking. You can't just have an issue of nothing or you can't have a movie and you can't have an issue of monsters just fighting, right? That that doesn't work. It doesn't work for any kind of extended period of time. And there's data to back that up, too. You know, you would think that the most popular Godzilla films through history are the ones with the most fights. Um, it turns out to be not the case. In fact, there seems to be about a peak amount of fights, a peak percentage of fight screen time that works for the films that people like the most. And then once you go over that, it, it seems to um, make people enjoy the film less. Right. But uh, interesting. But anyway. Yeah, yeah. So, so again, you got to have the talking head scenes and and the panels where people are sitting around talking. And your goal is just to make those things as interesting as possible, so people don't get bored or at least think like, when do the monsters fight again? You know that kind of thing, right? Because we've all been there in a Godzilla film. Like, when's Godzilla showing up? You know, right? Yeah. Um, so anyway, so yeah, man, that that was my week. I mean, things are cranking along. And then, you know, there's all kinds of little behind the scenes things going back and forth here with Lance and there there on on things and getting ready and and quoting out prices and uh, and getting those prices so that I can uh, correctly set the levels for the the basic for the for not only the pricing tiers of the Kickstarter, but also um, what is going to be in store if we unlock additional levels, if we can get it funded at the one hundred percent level and at the two hundred percent level, and things like that, and right. some things that are kind of in our sleeve um, that will unveil later in the campaign if it goes well. That's awesome, man. Um, it's you're in a fun part of the process right now, especially getting thumbnails in. Like that's like for me to finish thumbnails is is pretty exciting. So, um, and I know Ed enjoys them when I send them his way. So it's definitely a cool part of the process. And then the whole thing with Kickstarters and figuring out, you know, okay, how much do we need realistically? What's the bare minimum? Okay, what do we need to add extra pages? What do we need to add, a, um, you know, whatever, like whatever you're planning on doing uh, for those extra tiers, uh, unlocking stuff. Definitely a fun time. Yeah, I hear you, man. I hear you. So that in a whole was uh, was my week. Uh, what was your week? Uh, what was your week like, man? Uh, it was pretty much more of the same as last week. Uh, I was able to focus purely on the thumbnails and laying out of pages, uh, starting pages on Second Shift issue ten, and um, problem solving some angles, uh, which which was kind of fun, and uh, which led to me spending a lot more money. So, so what I mean is, how did you spend money <laughs> on eBay and frequently? Um, so for what? So there was an angle of a head that I have trouble with, and um, I've done it a couple of times, and I usually just use myself as reference. And um, but I I wanted to see how other comic artists have done it, and I know I had seen it multiple times with like Jim Lee and J. Scott Campbell. 
And so I was going back and I actually remembered that I had uh, Hush, hard co uh, the hardcover, you know, volume two. And I remember in, you know, a couple of vivid shots of Harley Quinn where she had this up angle, you know, it's like the ground up shot. So you could basically sup see up her nose and the head is foreshortened. And it's just a really tough angle to get. And uh, Jim Lee and J. Scott Campbell, they're, they're kind of masters of that angle. Uh, Jim Lee specifically, I think he's he's got that thing down. Like he can do that angle from multiple angles, like straight up to the side, like a three-quarter shot, um, tilted up, tilted down while still looking up the nose. Like it's, it's kind of crazy. So mm -hmm. I needed to problem solve that, and I found a couple of shots. And um, so I... I took a took some time and I practiced the shot first so I sketched out multiple versions of it um, and uh, found the one that I liked and so I was able to to nail that and uh, you know I my art feels stronger for it you know just by doing some studying so any artists out there if you're having some issues number one your your phone is a godsend you know when I was younger like we didn't have these reverse facing cameras now you can get the exact angle you want just by doing the reverse angle and and your phone has a timer so you can set a three second timer a 10 second timer you know whatever and so that's very helpful um, another thing is if you can find artists that do a particular thing that you like and you have issues with it's okay to study what they're doing and uh, you know draw it like just draw it a few times you know if you can find multiple versions of it draw every single version you can find just to get it down. And you're, you're going to have that in your arsenal, you know, moving forward. As long as you're pretty good at retaining information, like after you draw it a few times, you're like, yeah, yeah, I, th I got this now. I, I figured it out. So that's an angle that I think I have down now. And, um, you know, for the more, most part, I'm obviously not a expert at it, but I'm definitely way more confident in that angle than I was prior. To follow up something that you talked about last week, um, when you kind of brought the focus on animals, as like a, oh, it's very Bill Sienkiewicz-y, right? Mm -hmm. And then we had a conversation on Bill Sienkiewicz. And uh, so then I spent some money. I bought a Bill Sienkiewicz art hardcover because, uh, yeah, I, I think there's some things that um, that I can apply um, in terms of just thinking through animals and kind of how I want it to look and things like that. Obviously, I'm not the primary artist. I'll just be doing backgrounds. But I think there's some there's both some some kind of conceptual things that you could do just by thumbing through the whole book and being like, OK, I, I kind of see what he's going for here. But then also honing on like specific technique things. Right. Mm -hmm. Like, why do I like this photo or why do I like this piece of art? Oh, it's because he did this, this and this. Oh, well, I can do that, too, in a similar way and and kind of take that little element of it to to make uh, a drawing really kind of go up a level as well. So, mm -hmm. yeah, man, absolutely. I mean, you know, again, to, to your point, I mean, we're we're going to end up spending uh, a whole lot of money as a result of this pod podcast, I think, um, just because that's the nature, right? You you figure out something and you're like, yeah, I think this would be a good book just to have around for me to consult. And then before mm -hmm. you know it, it's in your collection. Oh, gosh. And I just went on a, a, a bender, like just spending left and right. Um, so I was like, oh, hey, what? So what J. Scott Campbell books are out there? Because um, he him and Jim Lee are like two of my major influences. And uh, I found a Danger Girl hardcover for a very reasonable price. You guys can find that. It's the Absolute Edition is really expensive. It's a oversize, and uh, but you can get the Ultimate Edition, which is about thirty dollars, thirty to forty dollars, um, and it's about 
you know, five to 10 bucks over cover price. I think the original cover price was $29.95, but you get that entire story with a lot of back matter in there. Um, and I ended up buying Hush Volume 1, which I needed, and just to complete that. And uh, a couple of other ones, there was a Travis Charest run he did on Wildcats, because I was looking for a Wildcats um, hardcover. I actually have a trade paperback of the first five that's by Jim Lee. And I've looked through those issues so many times that when I was looking through them for reference, I was like, I remember everything in here. Like it was just, mm -hmm. it's like I had seen it the other day, you know? Um, so, but then I found a Travis Charest hardcover of his run of Wildcats. I think it was the first six issues. Uh, they relaunched the series and that is arguably some of the best work he's ever done. It's my favorite work that he has ever done. Uh, if you haven't seen it, give it a look. He took over for Jim Lee after the initial run of Wildcats. I think Jim did one through 13 and then Travis picked up after that. And I think he went to like 20 to 25 and then he stopped and they relaunched the series. He did the first, I think, five issues, and then he disappeared again. Um, he's notoriously super slow, but it's because he puts so much effort into each page. And uh, he's one of those artists that basically hates all of his work. So he's never happy, even though it's um, it basically changed the industry, the way he drew. Um, a lot of artists started mimicking and copying the things that he did and uh, really changed the landscape for quite a while. So... Um, I found those in hardcover, and so I'm looking forward to having those um, on my shelf, you know, at the ready if I need to look at something and try to figure out how to draw something else. And uh, yeah, man, so it's a lot. It was a lot of studying and uh, definitely working on pages. And uh, I was using the Slack method. Okay, so I brought this up a couple of weeks ago. I said it's the Scott yeah. Lost Advanced Comic Method. It's actually that was my first uh, iteration of it. It's accelerated. Uh, comic method so scott mm -hmm. lost accelerator so the slack method so um i was just talking to a friend about that and it was he, he started listening to the podcast and um he had mentioned that he's having some difficulties like he's trying to get into comics being an interior artist he's actually done a couple of uh, store exclusive cover pieces um shout out death and um for uh, um nowhere it's called Nowhere. Um, mm -hmm. And so he's done a couple exclusive covers for, for them. But I was just talking to him, and, and uh, I had mentioned on a previous pod that you have to love doing interiors. And so he's struggling a bit with it. And, you know, it's I told him it's something, too, that you might not love right away when you're doing interiors. You might not love it right away. Uh, but by the end of that first issue, was it worth it? How do you feel after that first issue comes out? Or after you finish your part of the job, do you feel good about it were was were the hard times while you're drawing that book was it worth it when you saw the end result if if so then keep doing it and you might grow to love doing interiors like i know there are times when i'm doing interiors where it's a complete slog i hate it i just want it to be done but i know the end result for me is completely worth it and uh, i suggested to him to do the slack method you know drawing eight pages at once or in this case for me, uh, there's 19 pages in this issue coming up. And so I'm essentially working on 19 pages at once. I can flip through to see what's going on in these pages. What do I feel like drawing today? So there's a mm -hmm. constant production. There's a constant movement in your work. You're not sitting there drawing a bird or, or a horse or something that you don't want to draw that day. Like there is yeah. always going to be something on one of those thumbnails that you laid out that you enjoyed. Like you laid that out for a reason. So yeah. you just have to find those moments 
to move forward. It's like, okay, this is a, if you're having a rough day, find the easiest panel ever, like that you laid out. You know, like I did that um, a couple of weeks ago. I was like, okay, I'm, I'm hopping back into the interiors. It's been a minute. What do I feel like drawing? A close-up of an eyeball. Boom. That's the page I'm going to start on. And yeah, exactly. uh, yeah, so that was the first panel I had done on this new issue. And um, nice. it led to me drawing two other panels that same day. You know, it was just like it kind of got me in a bit of a groove. And I was able to keep moving forward. And, and um, you know, if, if you're an interior artist out there and you're having some issues, try giving this method a go. Uh, yeah, man. So that, that's been the week. It's been, uh, it's been nice not having to do side gigs. I do have one that's pending and, um, he contacted me last month and asked me about it. And I said, look, I'm a little swamped right now. Hit me back in, you know, mid January. And he did, he was like, Hey, um, just checking back. Are you good to go? And, you know, so we started going over ideas. And so now I know what he's looking for. It's just a matter of me of starting that gig, but it was nice just for a week, just purely concentrating on doing interiors and uh, working on second shift, and it's pretty rewarding. And then now the next step is uh, bang that guy's commission out super quick. I think I can get it done in a day. And then focus on the Kickstarter visual rewards. And I think I have a good amount of them already written out. Um, that This is something for you to consider also. I have a document. It's in my email. It's a, a email that I just never sent. So it's always in my draft draft pile. And it's a series of Kickstarter survey questions. I don't know if I brought this up last week. And so when it comes to sending the survey out, I already have them written down and I just copy and paste them into the survey uh, generator. And, mm. so, and so that way, for one, it cuts down on so much time. So if you're at your day job and you got time to write some questions out and then so you could pop them in there later, do that. And on top of it, when you do your next Kickstarter, you won't forget the questions that you asked prior because that has happened to me where there was one Kickstarter where I forgot halfway through, I remembered to ask, where did you hear about this Kickstarter? And for me, that's like I had said before, that's crucial information for me. So I was already, yeah. I was kicking myself in the butt because it was so much so many emails had already been sent out uh, inquiring uh, without that question so um yeah something to something to do for me later is uh focus on the kickstarter stuff and get all that stuff prepared yeah i hear you man i hear you man i mean same thing with me um if i get a spare minute or, or two you know that's that's how a lot of these tiers for the kickstarter you know the, the thing about kickstarters is there's there's so much detailed planning that goes into it it's 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 about it's not just about wanting to put something out right it's about designing all the tiers and then understanding what costs are associated and then it's about all the logistics that go into making that campaign you know you mentioned that starting about a month in advance you can fire up a kickstarter well i'm gonna start mine like next week because next week will put me inside of the month for it to launch. And so, you know, there's no better way to work on this thing than knocking out 30 minutes a night, an hour a night. And what you're going to find is it doesn't take you anywhere near a month, right? You're just, mm -hmm. you're just doing a little bit here and there. And before you know it, you have this nice fully formed thing instead of leaving it to be that ambitious, right? Where you're like, man, I got a lot to do in these next couple of days if I want to launch it. Well, well, yep. don't set yourself up like that, you know? Um, and not only that, but what's going to happen is you're going to load up things. And you're going to be like, oh, wait, 
you know, if if I want this as a tier, then it's gonna it might have these extra costs. So do I want to have it as part of the startup cost? Do I want to make it a stretch goal? You know, those kind of things. Those are the kind of decisions that it's gonna help you to think through and figure out in terms of how you want your Kickstarter to work. You know, I mean, you've talked about this before. You've even put this bug in my ear. You know, you, you should try. I, I think as indie comics creators, it makes a lot of sense to make that initial goal as low as possible. So that you can just stack a win. Because for my for my Kickstarter that funded, it probably had a pretty high goal. And yeah. the goal that's going to be out there now is going to be much, much lower than that. And then we'll stir things in as we need to. It right. makes more sense that way. Yeah, you need to be very practical with your goals. I've seen some very high goals for uh, some books that it's like you really don't need that much to do what you're doing here. But exactly. I, I get it. It's It's like, you know, if you are the writer, for instance, and you have to hire everyone. Uh, for the other jobs that's like okay you're you're trying to cover your costs and um and i understand that and so it's for me as an as the artist i'm the primary uh as far as cost goes so that cost is out the window so for me it's just like i don't even factor in my colorist or my letterer i'm just like that's just out of pocket like i'm not even sweating it because regardless if i did this kickstarter or not i would be paying those guys anyway because I yeah. would print the book on my own and then sell it at shows. So yeah. it's like, okay, you're going to pay that cost anyway. Why are you baking that in? It Just just yeah. go for your printing costs, whatever that is. Uh, get get your quote, and that's your goal. And then factor yeah. in um, $100. So this is the way I always do it. I factor in $100 for every $1,000. And that's the Kickstarter fees. It's... Um, so if you have a thousand dollar goal, my goal would be a thousand one hundred dollars. You know, mm-hmm. two thousand two hundred, three thousand three hundred, etc. So um, yeah, just prepare for that, anybody out there. But um, I the last two Kickstarters, I've done a three hundred dollar goal, and for me, I stress about. Or I used to stress about everything. It's every day I was stressing to hit that goal, and once I did, there was a huge relief that would happen, and I would just relax and I'd calm down. And, and things would be better. So for me, it's like, I'll get the 300. You're, you probably get 300 in a day, you know, yeah. and, and, and that's usually what happens. You know, you hit 300 in a day, maybe two, you know, if, if it's near Christmas or something, who knows? But, um, you know, that's that's an obtainable goal. And, and for me, it's, it's a huge, huge weight off yeah. my shoulders. And it just lets me chill. You know, it's just like, yeah, I'm yeah. still going to advertise and I'm going to do all that. But I'm not worried about getting five grand, you know, yeah, um, exactly. 10 grand or exactly. whatever. So, but yep. I will say yep. that is going to happen when I do the hardcover edition or, or actually, so the goal, and, and I might've mentioned this on a previous episode is to print the second trade. So the goal will probably be around four grand. So that will be a stressful month for me. And then if I'm able to hit it and go above it, that's when I'm going to, that's the stretch goal. The stretch goal is, hardcover you know if we yeah. get to 10 grand we're, we're going hardcover you know you're getting issues yeah. one through 10 you know and, and so that will be one that is super stressful if, if you get to if you get to 15 grand you can do like the joe biden inauguration vampire hunter bible edition right oh that that just jogged something in my mind so my did, buddy did Travis, you see did you see that by the way I, I know that's way dated by the time this comes out but did you happen to see the bible that he got sworn in on at inauguration no dude it's like a 180 year old bible it looks like the bible from a family of vampire killers 
<laughs> really? Oh, yeah, you oh, should look it up, funny. dude. It's got it's got like latches on it. It's got latches on it, like it's a Doctor Strange book of forbidden knowledge. He had the Necronomicon, dude. It's so cool, and it's five inches thick. It is five inches thick. Right, look it up after we record, or look it up when you listen to this back once it's live, man. It's 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 a it's a wild. Somebody brought that up on one of my Facebook friends. I was like, holy crap, I had no idea. But yeah, man, it's it's a it's an impressive it's an impressive book. Just my memory's such garbage, um, and I'm looking it at it right now, and that Bible is freaking huge. You're right. That looks like it was made in the 1800s. It was. Yeah. Well, look at that. Look at that guess. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. So another another benefit of doing these smaller Kickstarters and basically using what you need out of it, you can also bank the rest of that dough. So, you know, anything that I get over like a thousand two hundred or something like that, because I'll because what I'll end up doing is I will end up recouping those costs, you know, of my colorist and letter, etc. Um, you know, well after the Kickstarter is over, it's like, okay, well now I can factor in what I really spent on this entire thing. Okay. How much did I spend on, uh, those two guys plus the alternate covers, um, you know, potential stickers that I've bought throughout the year. That's another helpful thing for you guys out there. Follow, um, sticker mule. They're a sticker company. And if you buy something off of them, they'll usually send you deals throughout the year. And there'll be tremendous deals. Like one time they said, uh, they sent me something, 50 stickers for $9. Like that's an insane discount. Like they'll usually send, uh, the average deal that you'll get is probably 50 stickers for $19. So $9 Mm -hmm. is freaking nuts. When when those things pop up, take advantage of them throughout the years, uh, throughout the year, because then you'll have those on the ready. And so yeah. those will be part of your reward tiers. It's like, hey, you know, they could be add-ons or whatever. It's like, oh, do you want a sticker? Or, hey, this other tier comes with stickers. You know, something along those lines. And that's another cost-saving cost effort that you can do. And then you can factor it in uh, at the end afterwards. You know, it's just like, oh, yeah, I remember I bought $28 worth of stickers throughout the year. Let me just put that into the total. And, yeah. um, you know, you, you'll have all this extra funds that you can bank if you do have a larger goal later on. So let's say, let's say I get to $7,000, right? And I need realistically 9,000 to $10,000 uh, to do a hardcover. If I've done enough of these shorter Kickstarters where I've banked the rest of the money, then it covers that cost. So yeah. you can look at it and go, cool, I didn't lose any money. I'm going to do the Kickstarter. I'm going to do the hardcovers anyway. Because yeah. I got, you know, I'm 3000 away and I have 3000 in the bank from previous Kickstarters. We're good yeah. to go. Let's put this puppy out. So that's just exactly. the way I think about it. And, you know, everyone everyone differs. But uh, I, th- I think that's a helpful way. Yeah, man. I'm with you. I'm with you. Yeah. Well, that's cool, man. So that sounds like a, it sounds like a good week. And yeah, I mean, I, I expect that the next uh, four to six episodes are going to have a heavy Kickstarter bend. Just mm-hmm. because of the fact that between, you know, for the next four to six episodes, one or both of us is going to have a Kickstarter either live or in production, right? Yes. So, uh, or live or in development, I guess is the way to put it. So uh, because of that, I imagine that we're going to have a nice heavy Kickstarter bend in terms of everything we talk about over these next uh, two months. Yeah, yeah. And I'm definitely going to keep keep it rolling with, uh, you know, interiors and, and, and that stuff. I really love doing those and um i love advancing those books even further and uh hoping to have a very productive 2021 you know um i want to get second shift done 
number 10. And then uh, the Drawtober is uh, issue 11. So that'll be, well, technically that was done in 2020. So um, I'll have 10 done, Wanders 3 done. And then I'm going to do another Drawtober in October. So uh, at least three books uh, is the goal. But I'm really going to go for four books this year. So I'm getting crazy. Yeah, man. I'm with you. I'm with you. I, I would, I think I would go for something similar, except I don't want to, um, I don't want to oversaturate with the stuff I'm doing. You know what I mean? So I think in my case, Kadoja, we're going to do the Kickstarter in March mm-hmm. with the idea. And we're also going to list in Diamond. So, so Diamond is going to get a standard edition cover that's going to go to, you know, comic shops and through previews. And then the Kickstarter will have not only like the main cover for the Kickstarter will be exclusive to the Kickstarter. And then there will be a second cover that we do. That's going to be this gallery edition, which is an even more limited cover. So really there will be a total of three covers in circulation. When you all look at it, the diamond version, the Kickstarter version, and then the gallery version. So, uh, so yeah, man, I I think that'll be really fun, but that's also going to take up the first half of my year, just in terms of planning, promoting, kickstarting, And then, you know, finishing the book and having it around so that it can be in shops in time to meet the diamond solicit date. I think that'll that'll put me right at July, August. And hopefully in the meantime, I can kind of crank through either animals or three protectors in the background and maybe be ready to move on that in the second half of the year. Oh, yeah, that's that's good, man. Yeah. Oversaturation, I don't think is much of an issue these days. I think there's a lot of people out there that are looking out for indie creators uh, small businesses, etc., and and um, I think it's good. I think it's good to have product throughout the year, and um, it definitely helps. It'll definitely help once the conventions start rolling through again. I know, I know when I'm with my group, um, I end up being one of the the bigger sellers because I have so much product. So, you know, it's it's not a detriment. It's good to have yeah. uh, a lot of a lot of product for people to buy, and you can always bundle pack this stuff at conventions. That's what I usually end up doing. It's like, hey. You know, this is this, this is this, but hey, if you buy all of it, it's, you know, 30 bucks or 35 bucks. Yeah. And like, hey, that's not a bad deal. And then they end up buying all, everything you've ever made. So, yeah, man. I'm with you. Yeah. I'm with you. Yeah. All right, man. So, uh, well, that, was, that, that ended up, that feels like it lasted 10 minutes, but it turns out it's lasted about 50. So, uh, yeah. So look at I would us. say uh, f- about 13 minutes to 15 minutes of uh, basketball talk, which you guys can find at the end of this podcast. I'm, I'm sure, I'm sure the two of you will love it. Right, yeah. the people who. <laughs> Ed... And when we say two, uh, we mean me and Keith, and then also yeah, exactly. Ed, so three of us. We yeah. we love re-listening to ourselves talk about basketball, and we're pretty sure that at least one other person does it. We we need to almost vary it up. Maybe next week we'll talk about something. I mean, what what do? Actually, can we can can we nerd out for a minute? Of course, yeah. Let's finish this up. And then we'll nerd out a little bit. And then maybe, uh, I don't know. I don't know what we'll do with the basketball piece. Maybe we'll keep it. Maybe we won't. We'll see. Yeah, yeah whatever works. Yeah. Okay. Uh, All right. What are you going to nerd, bring nerd it out home. about? Okay, let's bring, bring it, it home. home. All right. So let's. we're going to do social media here. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Scott Lost, uh, S-E-O-T-T-L-O-S-T, and Facebook.com forward slash Scott Lost. Yeah, so for me, um, Kadoja has a page on Facebook. I don't talk about that a lot, but you can find the Kadoja page on Facebook. And then there's the Instagram, Kadoja Kaiju. I am working very hard 
to have a lot more posts and a lot more things going up on that. There is a lot of art that I want to catch everybody up on. So definitely check out Kadoja Kaiju on Instagram. And if you want to see dumb things like what I'm listening to and what I eat and things like that, then you can check me and also horror things. You can check out Keith underscore decibel on Instagram. And you can find my books, The Second Shift, on accidentalaliens.com and Wanders of Melsonda is there as well. Second Shift is a tale of minimum wage workers during the day, superheroes at night. And Wanders of Melisanda, a thousand years in the future, humans start colonizing other planets to come across the planet Melisanda, where the dinosaurs of that world survived and evolved. So it's about two dominant species trying to coexist on one planet. Rock and roll, rock and roll. And then um, for me, there's the I have the site KeithRFoster.com. There is a blog element to that with horror reviews and things like that. You can also find uh, information on the book Kadoja, which is basically giant monsters meet H.P. Lovecraft. And so it's going to be a giant monster book with a much more Lovecraftian slash horror bend than perhaps a lot of giant monster movies have, save the original 50s movies. It's definitely in the vein of Godzilla 54 or perhaps Rodan in terms of it being darker and black and white um, in terms of a giant monster horror excursion. Mm. Very cool. And uh, I also have a YouTube channel. Uh, You can find that on youtube.com forward slash user forward slash FN Rage, where I talk about the books that I'm collecting, stuff I've picked up on eBay, my weekly pulls from the comic store, uh, things along those those lines. And if you have questions for us, you can email us at makingcomicspodcast at gmail.com. Something we haven't covered here, something we hinted on a little bit and you want to know more about, hit us up there, ask us questions, we will answer them on the air. Yeah! Boom. And with that, it's the end of another week of making comics. So, um, so thank you, listeners, for hanging out with us. And Scott, uh, I'll see you next week, man. I was trying to pull out of a hat like a week ago in a conversation with someone. I was like, who's the dude who was supposed to be real good in the dunk contest? And he was on that champion Laker team and he totally shit in that. Okay, dunk I just contest. I just hit record. I think this is quality audio. Um, yeah, so you just you just hit record, but I'll I just keep hit that. <laughs> Yeah, no, Shannon Brown he shit the bed. Because uh, he yeah, was just it, such an amazing. Dude, he had special shoes made for him for that dunk contest. Did he really? I can't even yeah. remember. Yeah. He uh he was such an amazing in-game dunker that I thought he would kill it, and he just it's like he he was a kid that he's like a a, a kid that's like oh he's a star athlete but he never reads the playbook, and that's what yeah. the dunk contest seemed like to me. It was like oh you yep. didn't even try to prepare anything. Exactly. It's like, exactly. It's like Aaron Gordon's using you know, fucking hoverboards on mascot with mascots on hoverboards spinning in circles. And, you know, (laughs) I still say that Aaron Gordon got ripped off that first year. 
with Zach Levine. Okay, yeah. I I think Eric Gordon got ripped off in the Zach Levine thing, and I think when he lost to to Derek Jones, that was just an awesome back and forth, and it's a shame someone had to lose. They really should have just declared co-winners in that one. You know what I mean? The the Zach Levine one, and honestly, the Derek Jones ones too, if you go back and look at them, they're doing the same fucking dunk. They're just doing the same dunk, and it was infuriating. It's like, okay, he does the... Okay, in between the legs, but from the free throw line. He does the Jordan with the in between the legs. It's like, how many times did he do the in between the legs? How many fucking it seems, times? It, it seems like that's all he did. But, I mean, look, if we're yes. going to go way back. So, uh, you know, to talk to talk dunk contests is to talk my sweet spot. That's that's exactly how Jordan robbed Neek of that Chicago dunk contest. What was that, 88? Neek won that goddamn contest. Neek won. <laughs> well, like, he's not going to lose I, in Chicago, you know? Of course not. I will not accept arguments. Like, Jordan, not only did Jordan do, like, the foul line dunk to win it, he had done it before in the contest. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? And it's kind of like, yeah, we get it. Like, oh, shit, here we go. Hey, you know, Metallica's going to play Inner Sandman now. You know, like, that kind of thing. <laughs> Wait, like, they on, started man. it with Inner Sandman. Now they're closing the show with Inner Sandman? <laughs> yeah yeah exactly exactly so yeah i exactly yeah you don't you don't do that shit you don't do yeah. that i yeah neek got so i okay so my all-time hosed rankings i actually have aaron gordon third he third. i think he was okay. the third most hosed yeah because mm-hmm. i think second most hosed was iggy in the 2006 dunk contest against nate against nate robinson where okay. iggy had ridiculous dunks in that one and um, and then that was one where he was ahead. And then you, what you can see is during one of his dunks, they cut to the judges and they look at each other. And one of them like flips his score down just so they could give Nate Robinson the chance to tie or something mm. like that. Like it was a it was a total rob job. I mean, this is what you have. This is what happens when it's like sort of entertainment. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it's not it's not a pure athletic contest. It's entertainment. So it can get judged with bullshit entertainment rules. Right. And right. uh and he got he got hosed. And then yeah, Neek is number one all time hosed. Um I actually think Al Gore is number one all time hosed because he won the election <laughs> in two thousand. <laughs> but uh but you know anyway. Anyway, um, so yeah, yeah, I, I hear you, I hear you. But yeah, the the order of the evening is somehow the Sixers were up fucking thirteen, and and a vampire rose out of the coffin and and nearly killed absolutely everyone. I could yeah. not believe that final run, man. I was I was texting my buddy um, Rod during the game. And um, and you've heard me say this to you, I think, like the Lakers are just fucking professionals, man. They are just professionals and you can't let up. And there was that the Sixers took the big lead and then they they basically just gave Alex Caruso a wide open path for a layup. Yeah. With like three and a half minutes left. And I was like, it was the kind of layup where someone makes it. And you're like, oh, it's no big deal. They're up 10 with 45 seconds left. Like, no, they're up right. 12 with three and a half minutes left. There's a big difference, you know. Yeah, yeah. And and then they just, you know, they, they took their foot off the gas. And then a couple other easy baskets. And then they got tight. And then the Lakers got Well, clutch. then a couple of uh, um, offensive rebounds by Caruso led to a three. Um, yeah, to uh, by Schroeder. And then that was yeah. huge. You know, it's like Caruso yeah. hit a, a layup. Embiid, you know, went up to defend it. 
you know, a little late. So, you know, he ended up making it or whatever. And then Caruso gets a, another shot. He misses it, gets the rebound and shoot, gets it out to Schroeder and he knocks it down. It's just like, okay, we got a fucking game. But honestly, oh, yeah, I was totally. watching that, uh, the fourth quarter, I watched three of the four quarters. So I had to meet yeah. up with someone to sell a couple of pops in the second quarter. And we were down, I don't know, like 15 or something crazy in the first quarter. But I had a feeling, I was like, okay, this is going to balance out. Because um, this has kind of been the tail of the tape with the Lakers lately. Yeah. It's like they kind of go in ho-hum. Uh, or they come out a house of fire. And then they let off the gas. So if they yeah. come out slow, then they pick it up later. You know, if they come out fast, they slow down later. So it's, yeah. it's just kind of one of those things. Where I'm like, okay, this is going to balance out one way or the other. Um, and then in the fourth quarter, I was like, this is, this is over. Like I'm in a Lakers chat. I told everyone, I was like, this game's a wrap, you know, like with 12 minutes left, I was like, there's no way they don't have it. They don't, yeah. it doesn't seem like they want it at all. 80s hurt. He's like not playing most of this fourth quarter or the third quarter. And, um, yeah, it's just, it's not happening. It's not going to happen today. And then when they got it down to one point and then took the lead, I told yeah. them, I said, I'm not falling for the banana in the tailpipe. I'm not falling for it. <laughs> so, and yeah, then they it, lost. It felt so. like, it felt like a, it felt like a rightfully cosmic award to the Sixers for having the total better performance throughout the night. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. uh, but yeah, so I'm, I'm, I'm obviously thrilled, but and I'm I mean, fine. I'm thrilled. I'm thrilled for, yeah, you should be. Your, your team yeah. won the title. My my team's the team with something to prove. All I wanted was for them to to hang. Well, not not only that, it was I just didn't want to eat a bag of dicks by the end of the game. You know what I mean? It yeah. was like it's what it seemed like. The first quarter, I'm like, wow, we suck, and then the fourth quarter, I'm like, yeah, we got nothing. Like the third quarter, yeah. you it was it was like more of the same. It was just like this isn't no one's very good. No one's making anything. Ad's yeah. been yeah. in a weird. Not a slump, because a slump isn't the right word, because he's still averaging, you know, a tick under 20. He's been averaging, like, 17 points per game. And then the last game, he had, like, a 30-something point game. So, he's, you know, he's fine, but he's just not what I thought he would be um, after winning the title. I thought he would come out more confident this season, and he just isn't. He doesn't seem more confident, you know. Like, the first couple of games, he, he seemed that way, and then it went away. Like, it now it just seems like old ad you know and i'm not yeah, i'm not yeah. and i'm not disparaging him i'm not saying he's a shitty player by any means it's just the confidence the swagger that he had at the beginning of the season for the first couple of games it's gone already and it's just yeah. like man you should you should feel like that all the time because one you're awesome and then two you're a champ now so mm-hmm. but uh, i think he's in his head a lot yeah it hasn't it hasn't carried over to that he hasn't leveled up the way you thought he would i think mm-hmm. um it, do, it doesn't mean he still can't it doesn't mean he's not one of the top you know five players in the game or whatever but yeah i i'm with you i think we were we were all expecting expecting a bit of like an ad destruction world tour and and it just ain't happening it just right. ain't happening yep and you would um you know the thought was it's like okay lebron is entering what the 18th year and or is this is the 18th year and um, not entering, but it was like okay. The thought was he was poss- possibly going to be slowing down, especially having a shortened off season, and AD yeah. was going to become the primary. And it's like that eh, has not happened at all. Nope. Um, nope. And exactly. honestly, I actually think LeBron looks like he's reserving too. I don't even think he's going full bore. Like he. Yeah, I mean, w- when I watch I, him, I, he I, seems very casual. Everything seems very so casual. As an as an impartial observer. I felt that he did that last year too, you know, mm-hmm. and 
and and there's been this little stretch these last two weeks. Like the the I was gonna text you this earlier is LeBron seems to like semi check out in half the games and he'll just settle for a bunch of jumpers. Right. Yeah. The difference is in this last two weeks he's been making all the jumpers. So mm-hmm. he's been able to check out halfway and still drop thirty eight and and just completely smash a team, you know. And uh, yeah, I don't know. It, I it was that was just a good game. I I was happy. I, I thought the Sixers um, did looked great. I thought the Lakers played tough. Um, didn't feel like you know to your point. Didn't feel like maybe they landed their best punches. But you know it's the regular season, so right, it, it, right. it, it means almost nothing. What what it it means more for me as a Sixers fan than you for a Lakers fan because you don't have anything to prove. Where for me, I I just want to know this team is in fact one of the top five or six teams in basketball, and and they're they look capable like, and they're capable yeah. of beating a top team like the Lakers. Exactly. Exactly. And and when you and when you blow a big lead like that and then you come back and win, you get the best of both worlds because you get a nice win over a team and you get a lesson. Right. Mm-hmm. And those are those are always nice wins to walk away with much better than had they just won by 14. You know, um, so anyway. So, yeah, man, it's it's good. You know, Embiid looks looks all world. Yeah, and, he looks um, he looks great, man. I, I haven't yeah. seen a full Sixers game in a while. And um, he's head and shoulders above what he how he used to play like he looked fantastic Yeah, he leveled up he um, leveled. i mean right right now it's just all the pieces seem to work simmons simmons is the best version of simmons that he can be right now mm-hmm. um he's finally remembered that that he in fact doesn't have to shoot to score right? right i mean he was he was scoring on ad and if you can score on ad who can't you score on Right, right. So he he looked good, and then and then the weird thing about Tobias Harris, you know, I'm I'm sure there are these kind of players out there too. Tobias Harris just plays well for Doc Rivers, you know, like there's yeah. something about Doc Rivers unlocking the best Tobias Harris. So like all of a sudden that team just makes imminent sense on paper. Now you've got your alpha in MB, you've got your beta in Simmons, and you got your third guy in Tobias, and they're all very good for that role. You know, and and then you've got complementary pieces around it. Like you can't. Ask Do you for think more, Simmons you know? is a, a beta? S- Simmons is is the beta on the team simply because Embiid is in the top three MVP discussion right now, and Simmons is not. Right. right. Therefore, Simmons is the second best player on the team. Right. Like if if it was reversed, well, then I'd say Simmons is the alpha. I I think that comes for me personally. It's not who's a better player. It's what your mindset is. Simmons doesn't feel like a beta. AD, AD feels like a beta. AD is happy to defer to someone else, like with decisions, not just, you know, what ha- shit that happens on the court. I think his personality is a beta personality, like like Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant is a beta. You know, mm-hmm. he's he has alpha skill, but he has a beta personality. That's why Westbrook was able to dominate the way he did when they were together in OKC. Beta, or, uh, beta. <laughs> Westbrook has clear alpha personality, um, but it, but between those two, he should have been the beta, but he never acted as, nor did yeah. Kevin act as the alpha with with Russ. Yeah, no, that and that makes actually that's a really good way of putting it. So yeah, in using that terminology, I think Simmons and Embiid are are more co alphas in terms of personality, and I would equate that more to the um, Dwayne Wade Lebron dynamic at the beginning yes. of the decade, right? Yeah. Where where they were they were kind of co alphas, but they also knew like okay, okay, Lebron, it's my night tonight, you know, because. Um, in some of that heat tenure, 
Wade was definitely the best player on that Heat team. You know, mm-hmm. um, it, it's silly season, to yeah. say now. Yeah, but I mean, there were there were times when when LeBron just deferred to Wade and be like, "Hey, man, your show." And yeah. uh, and to your point, the Simmons, uh, the Simmons, the Sixers kind of do that with Simmons sometimes too, right? I mean, he took over the end of that Boston game about a week ago, and I'm happy. Like again, I'm a big Simmons fan, so I'm 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 finally seeing the player that that I've been screaming to people about for years, like a homeless person. Right. You you get those hints, those um those flashes of what they can be and you see them and you try to relay that to other people and people think you're crazy. That's how I feel it's happening less and less these days with coups. But um, the first few seasons with him, I'm like, he is seriously he is going to be one of the best out of these young talents. Like, I think he's going to be one of the best guys. And uh, unfortunately, he's fallen off a bit with his offense, quite a bit with his offense. But his honestly, his defense has gotten way better, and his effort has gotten way better. He's not just a gunner um, anymore. Like he's not just looking for his shot. You know, it's like mm-hmm. he's actually cares about defense and picking the right shot as opposed to every shot, which used to be the right shot. Yeah, I mean, and that's uh, we can wrap this up in a second. But like, I think that's a fascinating thing. How old is Kuz? You know that offhand? Twenty-five. Yeah, I think Simmons is twenty-five, and. Th- that's a good thing to remember. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like these guys have been in the league for four or five years, but they come out after one, maybe two. Mm-hmm. And, and they're a four year vet and they're 25. Yeah. You know, like player players can still figure stuff out. I mean, I learn stuff every day and I'm 49, you know, right. imagine learning in real time and you've got these, these world-class skills in something and you're just growing into them in some ways and you're, your intellect is growing into your abilities and you know, Mm -hmm. it's, it's a very, it's very interesting time if you want to harness it and can be a very fun time. But I mean, these, these, both these guys can get, you know, substantially better. Right. And how old is uh, Embiid? um, I think he might be a year or two older, like 26 or 27. Yeah. Because the, your prime is your peak physical condition mixed with your peak mental condition. Like how yeah. sharp you are with how strong you are, how fast you are, agile, etc. So yeah. bo- both, you know, all three of them, none of them are in their primes yet. You know, Embiid, I think, is in- like this season, he has entered his prime. Like he has started yeah. his prime. So this yes. is just hopefully just the beginning, you know, bar injury. So it's uh, yeah. future future's looking bright with him. Word up, man. Word up. Word up. All right, let's uh, let's get to this. Right. Let's get to this. Is this, uh, so, this is me, right? This is 11? This is episode 11, so it is you. Okay. All right. Uh, let's do the false pregnancy pause. Hold on, hold on. Just give me give me one more second because I got to cue my shit up. Definitely the and... false pregnancy pause. <laughs> For fuck's sake. <laughs> not, the, not the pregnant the fa- pause. The, yeah, this is the exactly, and and plus the the screenshot I took is like way the hell up here. <laughs> oh, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna ad lib the fucking thing. How hard can this be? Yeah, you'll probably remember it as you say as you're saying it because I know exactly. I look at it as I'm saying it. And I'm like I remember this whole thing. Like I don't even need to yeah exactly. read it necessarily. Okay, exactly. you ready to roll? Yeah, let's do this. Okay. 